From the heart of the Midwest in Bloomington, Indiana, welcome to One More Cold Call, an Indiana University Maurer School of Law alumni podcast. Each week, over a casual cup of coffee, Dean Parrish meets with accomplished alumni from around the world and from all walks of life. Over a season of episodes, we hear from law school alumni who have unique stories to tell about the unfolding of their professional lives and the lessons they've learned along the way. We start each podcast off with a little bit of Indiana University Maurer School of Law trivia and history. Did you know that the first Japanese American to be admitted to a bar anywhere in the United States is a 1905 Maurer Law graduate? Graduating in 1905, Masuji Miyakawa was the law school's first Asian American graduate. Working in both Washington, D.C. and San Francisco, he had an impressive career as a lawyer, a scholar, a journalist, a lecturer, and an advocate for the rights of Japanese immigrants. He was inducted into our Academy of Law Alumni Fellows, the highest honor we can bestow upon a graduate, posthumously in 2006. Now you know. Today I get to speak with father and son, Keith and Joe Hediger, and we get to talk about old-fashioned root beer of all things. Keith is a 1984 graduate of the law school, and Joe is a 2017 graduate. It's a complete IU family, as Anita, Keith's wife, is also a graduate of IU from the Kelly School. Keith is the president of Hedinger Beverage Distributing Company and also the Dad's Root Beer Company located in Jasper, Indiana, that owns Dad's Root Beer, Dr. Wells, Bubble Up, and Suncrest Soft Drinks. Joe is the vice president of operations at Hedinger Beverage. The family had been in the soft drink business now for almost 65 years. In law school, Joe served on the Indiana Law Journal, as did Keith. In 2017, Keith was able to hood Joe when he graduated from the law school at the IU Auditorium. Welcome, Keith and Joe. So good to have you on the program podcast. Hey, thanks for making time. Yeah, thanks for having us. Greatly appreciate it. Well, Keith, thanks. I, you know, usually I enjoy a cup of coffee when I'm doing one of these podcast interviews. It's one of my uh, guilty pleasures in life to walk down to Starbucks. But today I thought it was more appropriate for me to have a root beer. Uh, unfortunately, I left my, uh, my can of root beer at home. But what are you guys drinking? <laughs> I've got a diet dance root beer here. I'll drink. I'll drink. <laughs> And I, uh, I'm drinking a dad's root beer as well. I figured uh, since my boss is on the uh, call, I might uh, need to drink a dad's as well. <laughs> well, great to see that you guys are on brand message. I like to see that. So, um, well, Keith, your family has been in the soft drink business for, I believe, almost 65 years. And you've owned dad's root beer since around 2017 or 2007. And you run Hedinger Beverage Company. Uh, can you tell us how did your, you and your family get into the soft drink business and how did it all start? Well, it started uh, back in 1950 when my father and his twin brother, my Uncle Bill, um, they started uh, delivering Coke. They were Coca-Cola salesmen right out of high school. And uh, then they served in the Korean War and, and were stationed in Japan. They came back home to Jasper and uh, they noticed there wasn't a Pepsi-Cola distributor in the area. And back then, Pepsi-Cola was a smaller brand and they uh, started distributing Pepsi-Cola for years. Um, and uh, we just kept growing. One of the the brands that we distributed um, was Dad's Root Beer. And um, uh, one day the uh, vice president of sales in Atlanta uh, called and asked if he could come to Jasper and meet with me. And he came and um, I, I wasn't expecting this, but he said, do you want to buy the brand? And so um, they were divesting themselves of brands at the time. And um, we, um, we bought the Dad's Root Beer brand and moved the corporate headquarters from Atlanta, Georgia to Jasper, Indiana in 2007. Wow, what, what a great story. You know, Dad's Root Beer has such a, a terrific history. Can, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, it's, it started in Chicago in 1937. You know, years ago, um, 
dads as part of a family tradition would make their own recipe of root beer. And uh, so that's how I got the name dad's root beer. Uh, but it was started by a, a couple of partners in Chicago and um, it was in the Coca-Cola bottler network for years till Coke bought a brand called Barks and then kicked dads to the curb. And um, uh, dads bounced around to a couple owners and um, now we're, we're starting to try to grow the brand again. We do all the um, sales and marketing out of Jasper, but we have, we have five bottlers around the country that bottle for us. You know, this is a great Indiana story. I, you know, in addition to soft drinks, what does Hedinger Beverage do? And can you give our listeners a sense of the size of your company and, and um, you know, and, and just uh, the breadth of what you do? Sure. Um, and then we also own Hedinger Beverage Distributing, which is a, a beer and soft drink distributing company. We cover um, southwestern Indiana. We distribute uh, beer and soft drinks to uh, 15 counties in southern Indiana and two in Kentucky. Um, you know, we, we employ uh, CDL drivers, salesmen, uh, we're, we're hitting the streets every day, five days a week. Uh, and we've been real busy during, uh, during the pandemic. People are still drinking. In fact, they're drinking more during the pandemic, it seems like, um, but we have had supply issues. Yeah. So I, 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 I don't drink much beer, but I, I am known to pop a, a root beer from time to time. And so I have to say, I, I, I think I've drank a little more, to, or at least my, uh, I had to buy a few new shirts uh, after the pandemic was over to, to fit into the new size of my, my collar. So I, I think that's a pretty common experience. So, hey, Joe, maybe I could turn to you and, and uh, you know, you graduated in 2017. And, um, you know, I got to ask, if you knew you were going into this family business that's been involved uh, in the soft drink business and the beverage distribution business for so long, why, why did you decide to get a law degree? And uh, maybe you could talk to us a little bit about how you use the law degree and the work that you now do as vice president. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I entered law school, um, I knew to an extent that I wanted to come back to the family business eventually. Um, so like many law students, I came to the Maurer School of Law thinking that I would kind of pursue the traditional path where uh, you go to law school, you pass the bar, you work at a larger city um, at some mid to large size firm for a few years. Um, so I did typically the, the normal path of any law student. I had a, exter a judicial externship with uh, Justice Massa. I had an internship with um, an indie-based law firm. Um, so I was doing that and it wasn't until um, I was working for the indie-based law firm um, and I was working on different business accounts um, and, and doing some employment law things for them, uh, contract revisions, uh, contract reviews, things like that. And this light bulb kind of went off in my head and this would have been about my uh, 2L year or so, uh, where I was like, my family is a business like these businesses and they deal with the same type of issues that these businesses are dealing with. Um, so I, I talked with my dad and I was like, Do we, is there a position available for me uh, to come back to the business and then maybe take on some of the operational stuff and, and uh, kind of just be uh, a general counsel type and deal with all these um, employment law and contract revisions, any type of business law matters. Um, so kind of after I, I established that, hey, I'm, I'm going to come back home to Jasper after law school, I was able to tailor my Maurer education to the classes that I thought would benefit uh, me in the future with my family business. So I took trademarks with Professor Janice. I took employment law with Dow Schmidt. I took sales with Professor Hughes, transactional law with Need, and business planning with uh, Gina Gell Fletcher. And they, 
equip me with the tools needed to that I use pretty well just about every day uh, today. And uh, some specific examples um, is that so obviously with the Dad's Root Beer Company and being the parent company, we own all of the, the marks for Dad's Root Beer, Dr. Wells, Bubble Up, or some other brands that we carry, Suncrest as well. So we work with Barnes and Thornburg in their intellectual property department, and I'll walk uh, hand in hand with them um, doing uh, trademark reviews, um, sending out cease and desist letters, um, and they're pretty well the only outside counsel that we use here. So um, from the kind of the distribution company, um, all, any employment law matters that arise, um, I'll handle. Um, if we have any issues with um, suppliers or vendors and they need a strongly worded email, um, I think Professor Hughes would be happy to know that I um, recite the doctrine of implied um, warranty of merchantability quite often in my uh, job here with leaking cans and different things like that. Um, and then also any type of supplier agreements uh, that come to us. Um, there's a lot of innovation that's going on in the beverage business now and everybody um, has the next best thing. So there's a lot of different um, suppliers and, and products coming out. So any type of contract, distribution contract that comes through, I'll review that and send it up the ladder to my dad for um, his final say. Um, and then just um, as you know, the uh, alcohol uh, beer uh, industry. It's highly regulated industry. So we have a state association and we work closely with them as well uh, to make sure that we're in compliance with all the laws, pass new legislation, um, and just make sure that um, everything's accounted for here. So Keith, I've got to ask you, when, when Joe approached you about joining the family business, did, did you make him go through interviews and, and did, he, did he go through a full day of stress interviews with the firm? <laughs> um. Uh, his mother put him through that. <laughs> no, um, just joking. Uh, no, it was music to my ears. Uh, you know, uh, we we own four companies, and so uh, you know we really needed the help. And um, like Joe said, you know, he deals with supplier issues, uh, employee issues, and um, you know he's revised our company handbook. Um, you know, just uh, he's done. It. We use our law degrees every day here, really. Well, and Keith, what's your story? Did you did you immediately go into the family business, or did you do other things uh, right after law school? Or what, what's your what was no, your path? I I, uh, I practiced law. I uh, I went uh, in with a small firm. Uh, we were each sole proprietors. Uh, you know, I did. I was the um, court appointed public defender for a couple of years, and um, you know, practiced for ten years till till my father's health started failing, and then I started uh, helping in the family business and. Then when my uncle was ready to retire, that's when I, I bought the business. Um, but, you know, transitioning, doing all the uh, acquisition agreements, dealing with all the breweries to get approval. Uh, you know, I used, um, it was invaluable. And like Joe said, except for the uh, intellectual property, our legal fees are zero here. We just, Joe and I do all the work. Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's more common than, than I realized, I think, a long time ago, just how many people that have been successful in business uh, end up having a, a legal degree, or it's very helpful for them to know something about law, in part because there's so many uh, regulations. And uh, Joe, as you were saying, in highly regulated industries, uh, it's just you got to know you got you got to know the legal aspects. And if you, if you can keep those lawyer costs down, that's that's helpful. No, ab absolutely. And you know, I I represented a lot of businesses when I was practicing on my own, and saw a lot of things go sour and. When you see things go go badly, you learn from it and uh, you try to prevent it in your business. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. 
Hey, Joe, you know, one of the things we try to tell our students is that practice and life outside of some of the nation's you know, largest cities, cities like Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, D.C., and frankly, even places like Indianapolis uh, can be absolutely fabulous. I think there's a, a tendency for people only to look at the largest cities. Um, one of our more recent programs, our Rural Justice Initiative, is designed to give students a glimpse into what practice in a county seat looks like. We now fund eight to 12 students each summer to work with judges in rural counties throughout Indiana. And um, But uh, Jasper, I think it's around 15,000 or so people, and it's it's home to Kimball International and one of the world's largest, or once was one of the world's largest piano and organ manufacturers. Can, can you tell you know our listeners what's it like to live in Jasper? Uh, any regrets for you not heading off to a large city? And and I guess you know what advice do you have for graduates thinking about practicing in a county seat or in a smaller town in Indiana? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely don't have any regrets coming back to Jasper. Um, Jasper's always been home to me. I've always will be. Um, and I feel like if I would have gone to a big city, I probably would have felt, um, like I said earlier, knowing I wanted to come back to the family business, that I was kind of just visiting those larger cities for a while and, and always called Jasper home. Um, and certainly with, with law students today, um, don't rule out working in a smaller community or a rural community. Um, because there's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, you think that all the opportunities in the big cities, and I'm not trying to um, say the big cities aren't, aren't fun to be at or, or whatever, but um, there's a lot of potential in smaller communities, rural communities. Uh, work-life balance, if you're interested in a great work-life balance, uh, I would look into a smaller community. And, and also, uh, we, I see here in Jasper and, and, and smaller cities around here, that the average age of an attorney in these smaller communities is rising and there's not a lot of um, attorneys coming in uh, at a young age. Everybody is going to the big cities in order to, to practice law there. Um, and with that being said, there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of clients in some of these smaller cities. So um, getting in with one of these um, attorneys in a rural community uh, with a large book of business um, offers a great opportunity for somebody to start their life um, in a, a smaller community and be able to, to practice all sorts of different trades. Like you said, Jasper um, has a lot of business down here. It's also home to Jasper Engines, Master Brand Cabinets, um, Far Best Foods, Wabash Valley, which does the eggs for all of the McDonald's around here. So there is a lot of business in some of these small communities and just don't be afraid to look at them. Um, I feel like a lot of law students can get lost kind of thinking that they need to go to a big firm or uh, that's the only path for them. They don't take the time because law school is so, uh, difficult and time-consuming and can be stressful where they just don't sit back and, and think that that's a possibility for them. Yeah, I think part of one of our jobs is to just expand people's horizons on how broad the practice of law can be. And as you say, some of the uh, blogs you read make it seem like the only way you practice law is in very large firms in New York. And that's such a very small uh, number of the lawyers who are actually practicing. So I've got to gotta, gotta ask, although I, I'm going to regret this, how long is your commute from... Uh, from your front doorstep to your office? Uh, five minutes. <laughs> oh, no. No, that's, you might be long there. I, yeah, I think that's, that's going to sell. You're going to get some calls for some of our Chicago graduates who, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. who are, who are fighting oh, traffic. I don't, you don't have a stop line. I don't know if you have a stop line on your way here. Yeah, no, no I have uh, two stop signs. Um, yeah, it's uh, a lot easier to get home. The rush hour traffic in Jasper is about two minutes as opposed to probably an hour and a half in, in downtown Chicago or someplace. So yeah, the commute's very easy. Yeah, but you know, that makes a big difference when you're starting a family and when you got kids to be able to get home in five minutes rather than an hour and a half. And 
uh, that that can make, as you say, it's not just, you know, doing, have an amazing professional career, but it's that work-life balance. So you can also spend time at home and reducing your commute time to whatever 10 minutes total a day, rather than two hours total a day makes a big difference on that quality of life. Um, well, uh, you know, um, you know, I'd love to sort of give some more advice to our listeners. Uh, Keith, maybe I'll go to you on this. If you were to do it all over again, is, do you advice for new law students or people that are just starting out careers, things that you wish somebody had told you when you started or, or things that you've learned over your career that you think would be worth letting people know? Oh, gosh, you know, Joe hit on a lot of it. Um, you know, don't be afraid to look in the, the smaller communities. Um, you know, I, I did practice law for 10 years. Um, did a lot on my own, learned a lot, practiced a lot of um, different types of law, criminal law, corporate law. Uh, I did litigation. I litigated um, uh, for a lot of businesses. Um, just, you know, try all the different uh, areas, see what you like the best, what fits with your personality. Um, you know, don't be afraid to, uh, to try smaller towns or, or bigger cities, you know, just whatever, whatever works for you. So how about you? Do, do you have uh, do you have tidbits of advice you'd like to add on what you've already said? Yeah, um, kind of just to piggyback off of that, I would say uh, let your interests direct your path or your legal path. Um, and what and what I mean by that is, uh, I think I mentioned it a little bit earlier, where you can get kind of caught up in the hustle and bustle um, of law school, and you don't have a lot of free time in law school. There's a lot of studying. There's a lot of uh, competition in law school. Just take time to see what am I interested in. Um, and how can I make that a legal career? I was reading an article um, in the IB or ABA journal a few years ago, and they talked about um, this one law student who was a part-time bartender, and she decided, or she met a, a vineyard attorney, and she started talking with him, and she's like, you know what, like, this is something that I'm interested in, and she started researching alcohol and beer law and, and things like that. And she became somewhat of a specialist in there. So she was able to get out of law school and make these connections with these different brewers and micro brewers, craft brewers and wineries and, and things. And she was able to make a career out of that. Um, and she represents a lot of craft brewers. And when I was reading the articles, like this is kind of something that I was able to do. Um, not a lot of people know about alcohol Indiana, especially in Indiana, alcohol regulations, alcohol laws, uh, beer laws, franchise laws, things like that, because um, people don't deal with it in a, that often. Uh, there's a lot of big firms out there that, that probably don't law because it's such a niche. It's such a niche of a, a, a legal area that um, people aren't very familiar with it. So uh, if that's something, if you find yourself that you're interested in different things, uh, be, don't be afraid to pursue those and, and go forward with that. And uh, and try to make a career out of it. You know, you, hearing you say that, I think a, a seminar course in craft beer law would be fascinating. I, I do think it would require some dean supervision, at least in the early <laughs> stages, but uh, maybe we'll have to have you both come up and, and do that for a special <laughs> class. Uh, maybe maybe with tastings along the yeah. way, if we can. If there's, yeah, if there's samplings, we might get a, a full roster. <laughs> yeah, that could be a very, very large class. I'm thinking a couple hundred students there. So uh, you maybe ask you another question about law school. For both of you, is there something, if you're looking back, is there something about law school or about Bloomington that stands out most, uh, most strikingly in, in your memories, either about the town or about the faculty or about the programs that you sort of look back and you say, you know, that, that left its mark on me. Uh, um, Joe, maybe I start with you and then I'll go to Keith second. Joe, anything that stands out for you during your time here? 
Yeah, so um, I also spent undergrad and at IU, so I was there for, for seven years. So Bloomington will always be one of my favorite places to go. Actually, uh, me and my wife will be celebrating our fourth year anniversary tomorrow in Bloomington. So uh, Bloomington always has a special place in my heart. Um, but it's, it's amazing the camaraderie at a place like IU Mauer. Um, yes, law school is competitive. You, um, you see the movies and things where people are overly competitive. Uh, Paper Chase, I believe that's the movie, uh, overly competitive. But the sense of uh, just camaraderie with your classmates um, and the relationships that you make there. Um, I have some of my best friends from the Mauer School of Law and we keep in touch. Um, they're all over the place, but it's always nice to get back together and stuff. And then just the faculty, um, just them being able to always be able to support you throughout your um, your your career path or, or your time in law school, whether it's writing a tremendous letter of recommendation or or spending extra time with you to make sure that you understand the doctrine that they're talking about that day. So, um, yeah, and nothing but good thoughts for for me in Bloomington IU School or IU Mauer School of Law. Well, Joe, congratulations! Congratulations on your anniversary, Keith. How about yourself? Does, does anything sort of stick in your mind? Uh, about the law school or about Bloomington? Uh, love Bloomington, love my time there. Um, my first year I was not married and I um, visited my, my fiance too long, too many times, too many weekends, I guess, in Indianapolis. So I ended up getting married after my first year. And uh, my father was so worried that I was gonna flunk out of law school after getting married, but my grades ended up improving. I won the most improved student award at graduation, got a set of burns, I think free for it. Um, but, um, you know, just had a great time, met some great friends. Uh, I really enjoyed the fact that, um, you know, went to school at Mauer and, you know, a lot of my classmates ended up practicing in Indiana or within the Midwest. And, and you'd be surprised how many referrals, how many times you talk to some of your classmates. Um, they need local counsel or, uh, you know, you just need, need some help with something that you have your classmates, uh, even after you graduate, to rely on. Yeah, you know, we, we talk about that quite a bit now with students. I think, I think when you're in your early 20s, you think, oh, you know, this won't happen with referrals until 10, 20, 30 years. And it's actually amazing how quickly that network and referral base starts, uh, starts uh, making a difference. And so we always tell students when they arrive, you know, uh, that, that old saying, you know, look to your left, look to your right, somebody will be gone. It's like, look to your left and right. These are going to be your future business partners and your, uh, and people providing referrals. So, so be nice now because it will make a difference over the long term. And I really think that's true. I think that's true. We'll have to ask what's, uh, what's the future for uh, heading your beverage and, and, uh, and for dad's root beer. Uh, Keith, maybe I start with you on this one. Well, we're on our third generation for heading our beverage, hoping to make it to a fourth generation. Uh, like Joe said, there's so much innovation in the beverage business now. My father would roll over in his grave seeing all the different seltzers and uh, different craft beers. But uh, there's going to continue to be all kind of development. Um, you know, Dad's Root Beer, we've, we've celebrated uh, our 75th anniversary, closing in, you know, on 80 years with Dad's Root Beer. Uh, we're hoping to keep growing that brand and, and, and the others. So um, we're looking to be here another 65 years. Hopefully. Joe, you working on that fourth generation? Yeah, I got a one-year-old at home. So to piggyback off of that again, I would say just continue to grow. Uh, like you said, like I, I'm the third generation of beer distri or uh, beverage distributors. Um, 
and uh, I got a one-year-old at home and I would love to see her be the fourth. Um, and uh, maybe she'll be going to Maurer one day and uh, using her law degree. And uh, you can interview her and, and see how the fourth generation is holding up. Well, I was going to say, you can't start, you can't wait too late for these things here, right? So you, you maybe get another year, but let me know and we can work on the family pipeline here. Uh, never too early to get her into a law school class. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, great. Well, hey, Keith and Joe, we're really proud that you're graduates of ours. Uh, it's it's a great uh, story and, and uh, really glad that you're Gosh, not too far away down there in Jasper. So uh, thanks for spending time for us on One More Cold Call. And really nice to be able to uh, talk to you about all your success. And uh, and uh, next time I'm going to have a cold one uh, in a frosty mug waiting for me so that we can have this conversation again. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. You're doing a great job. And thanks to our listeners for joining us too. Don't forget to follow us on social media at both at Austin Parish and at IU Mauer Law on Twitter and Facebook. And we hope you make plans to come back to Bloomington soon. Each year, over a thousand alumni come back to campus, judging moot court or mock trial, serving as mentors or helping our students in other ways. We hope you will too. And when you do, please reach out. Until the next time, this is one more cold call an IU Mauer School of Law alumni podcast.